0: Joining us at this time, we are delighted to welcome Ms. Itumeleng Mukine onto the show. She is a tax specialist from Liberty Group, South Africa. Itumeleng, welcome to the COVID report. Thank you so much for joining us at this time. SARS has always prioritized raising awareness about the October 2020 deadline for people who needed to file an income tax return at the SARS branch. Can you take us through why it is so important for SARS to issue notices for tax returns?
1: Um, Thank you, Gabe, and uh, thank you for having me on the show. Um, And hello to your listeners as well. So I think, you know, it's very important um, for SARS to issue these notices. So if you speak to enough people, you realize just how little knowledge they have about the obligation to file their tax returns or if they have the obligation to even file this tax return and tax in general, So, it's very important for SARS to sort of communicate um, to the people in whatever medium there is out there. And I think COVID 19 has shed so much light uh, as to how little people actually know about um, the obligation to file tax returns. And because of the pandemic and loss of funds it has become even more important for SARS to collect revenue so it's very very important these notices are very important Um, letting those who need to file tax returns know that they actually have the obligation and um, coming up with simplified ways to alert people um, more efficient ways to let people know that they do actually have an obligation. So I think the notices have really, really, really gone a long way. Um, I think we have more people actually talking about SARS and the obligation
0: towards SARS. Indeed. And you've just touched on it now that there are certain people who, for whatever reason, just aren't aware of their obligations to the taxman. Can you take us through who the people are who are supposed to have submitted their taxes by this point?
1: So, um, so if you, so the following people are actually liable to file a tax return. So, if you earn more than seventy nine thousand and you are younger than sixty five, right? The tax threshold is seventy nine thousand if you are younger than sixty five, and if you are older than sixty five, the tax threshold is one hundred and twenty two thousand three hundred. And um, for citizens who are older than 75, um, it's 136,750. So just to clarify, and I think it's easier when you tell people who is not liable to file a tax return. So if your total employment income for the year is less than 500,000, and you only receive salary income, so from one employer, and you don't have like a car allowance, you don't drive a company car, you don't have a travel allowance or any other income from any other place so you don't have a rental property somewhere and you're not claiming any tax related deductions so you just earn a salary and it's less than 500000 a year then you have no obligation to file your tax return but if you do not meet this criteria then you know for sure you have to file a tax return so if you have a medical aid um for instance so say maybe you le- you earn less than 500000 but you have a medical aid so there are certain um deductions or rebates that you can get in relation to your medical expenses. So you know for sure you actually do need to file your tax return. So that criteria is, so you just measure yourself against that criteria. And this information is available on the SARS website. So um, it's very easily available. So if you don't meet the criteria for those who are not supposed to file, then you know you have an obligation to file.
0: Clarity. I love that. Now, Again, this is something we touched on, um, but i 'd love to dive deeper in your analysis of this based on your own observations and everything that 's unfolded since covid nineteen took off here in South Africa. We crow on regularly here on the show about how unprecedented these times were, and these circumstances were, how no one was prepared for them and We also make regular notes of how the pandemic and the way it 's unfolded has exposed the Inequalities and the inadequacies in certain sectors of all of the components that make up life as a South African when it comes to SARS and the mechanisms that are used to to take uh, Tax payments from South Africans in your professional um, opinion and your professional observation. Do you think the systems in place that SARS have are sufficient
1: Um, You know, game over the years, Nia, SARS has made significant strides in improving revenue collection. And I think the other great thing that has happened um, in 2020 was that they have come up with a way of making filing your tax return seem less like an administrative burden. Well, as far as they possibly can. And I think with the introduction, I think for me, with the introduction of the Mobi app, I was just like, Finally, you know, um, and you talk to a lot of people and they'll tell you, I haven't filed my return because I really don't want to stand in a long queue the entire day at SARS. So the Mobi app has really, really made it um, a little more convenient for you to file your tax return or to declare your, um, your income to them. Um, and e-filing as well. E-filing has literally changed our lives for me as a tax uh, professional. I value e-filing with everything I have. Um, and there's now an option on e-filing that is called Help You e-file, where you can actually chat to a bot if you're struggling on e-filing, if you have questions about maybe the text code that you need to put on your tax return, that um, is there. And it's very quick. The response rate is so, 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 so quick. Um, and then, yeah, if you still like the very old way of doing things, you can still go into a branch. So and I think with things like, you know, making EFT payments online and um, I know they have pay your bills for Standard Bank, even actually paying your taxes is so much easier. So I think, you know, they're trying. They're really, really trying. And I think for now, we it's, it's proven to be sufficient. I think it has really
0: proven to be sufficient. Now, you bring up a very good point, um, not just in your previous answer, but in, in various bits of every other answer that you've given me over the course of this discussion. This idea of filing taxes early. Can you take me through the benefits of submitting and filing early? What are the penalties for filing late and who carries those penalties?
1: So the question um, regarding filing early is a bit of a tricky one. Um, I think for me, the biggest benefit for filing early is getting it out of the way. So it's not like, you know, there's an award or there's compensation for filing early, but um, there definitely are penalties for you filing late. So if you do file your tax return late, um, there was an administrative penalty that was introduced recently, where if you file your return late, so for every month that your return is outstanding, they charge you with a penalty. And this penalty is literally charged on individuals, on companies, on trusts, everyone who does not meet the filing deadline. So it's very important for you to file as soon as possible. So um, the penalty can range from 250 rands to about 16,000 rands for every month that your tax return has not been submitted. So, and that can go up to a maximum of 35 months. So for me, especially if you're an individual, I don't have 250 rands just lying around for me to pay to SARS additionally to the tax that I need to pay. So I think that's the biggest incentive to filing early. So you don't have to pay this penalty. I mean, just file it and get it out of the way. It's, it's done because once it's submitted, you know, it's done. You don't have to see it again until the following year.
0: And what happens if you don't meet the deadline to file your taxes? Where, where, where would you get any sort of grace period if there's one to be provided? And what is the period of grace in that instance?
1: There is actually no grace period for um, the submission of your tax return. I think um, 2020 was just a special year because of the pandemic. Um, The date was moved down for filing your tax return. But generally, uh, as a general rule, there really is no grace period once the date has been set. That is the date. And, I, and it's always in our faces, you know. You listen to the radio, everyone's talking about the SARS submission deadline. You're on TV and they're talking about the SARS submission deadline. Because once it's made, any day after that particular date, you run the risk of paying the administrative penalty on late submission. So there is no grace period.
0: More clarity being provided. I absolutely love this. Now, Idumaleng, my next question for you is a two-hander. Uh, it's, it's latching on to the most recent address by Finance Minister Tito Mboweni in which he outlined the financial outlook for South Africa as our country's economy continues its slow but steady recovery from the perils of the COVID-19 pandemic. The issue of tax came in and about over the course of his address and it's been received in very polarizing fashion and there seems to be a degree of confusion as far as what part or what role tax will play in this stage of the economy's recovery from this pandemic. So this 2 handed question goes as follows. Number one, has SARS provided for any additional reprieves for taxpayers since the initial ones announced during lockdown level five? And for the consumers who listen to minister Mboweni's speech and perhaps still have concerns about how everything he outlined in that speech might affect their pocket and might affect the amount of money they pay to the taxman in the form of tax how much space do regular south africans like you like like myself like you and and though and many of those listening to us right now how much space is there for us to be concerned and to be to be wary of what's to come
1: uh game you know i think um even for myself after listening to that uh speech i literally had a like do we need to brace ourselves question you know um because there were a lot of um reprieves given to taxpayers when the initial Lockdown was announced. You know, um, there were provisional tax payments where you could defer your provisional tax payments, um, PAY payments, UIF. You could claim from your UIF. And I think the biggest concern for all of us, I think even for myself, is okay, how are we going to make up the revenue loss? You know, how much was lost? And Tito Mboweni um, sort of alluded to tax increases, sort of increasing our tax base. And now you're wondering. You know, uh, even the people that I mentioned earlier that are not liable to pay um, to file their tax returns, will they now fall within a higher tax bracket? Are we looking at increased uh, percentages for companies, like an increased tax rate or for individuals? Are we looking at um, the introduction of new taxes? Because, I mean, recently, um, SARS introduced a new tax, carbon tax. They introduced the sugar tax. And you know what? I think if you are concerned, there is reasonable grounds for concern. Um, But I don't think we should panic. So I think we all need to brace ourselves a little bit um, and start sort of adjusting our lives a little bit just to, we're going to feel a little bit of a pinch, but I don't think we're all going to suffer drastically because of the changes um, the minister will announce. But I do think that it's going to be a tough year for for all of us. You know, I think, um, yeah, I think we should all just brace ourselves, but not, I don't think it's a cause for panic. We should not be panicking, but we should really be bracing ourselves.
0: Indeed. Now, Idumeleng, at the very beginning of the lockdown, one of the, or should I say, maybe just one, one of the more contentious parts of the lockdown was the ban on alcohol and cigarette sales. And from what I remember of the observations I made of, of that entire discussion during the early parts of our lockdown, many of the bodies that campaigned and lobbied for the bans on cigarettes and alcohol to be lifted. Were that the 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 amount of tax that uh, that that was generated from the sales of things like cigarettes and alcohol was far too sizable and far too valuable for the ban to be lifted up for as long as it was. Can you take me through um through? Looking at the clients that you service, can you take me through how tax collection has increased or recovered on uh, tax types since the sale of cigarettes and alcohol was lifted and with borders now being open? And furthermore, could you take me through the exact extent of, of, of the danger that was posed versus the, the alleged exaggerated nature of the extent of the damage that the absence of cigarettes and alcohol sales would have uh, done to the tax collection
1: um you know I think so for me to give the exact extent as, as to the damage, I think only the the revenue authorities can tell us exactly um, how much of an impact the banning of the sale of alcohol and cigarette actually was but i I think we d- the economy did take a knock um, tax collection did really take a massive loss because. If you look at um every budget speech syntaxes, we are all just sitting there waiting to see um just how much we are going to be punished for um cigarettes uh and um alcohol you know and this affects it not only affects just your your income tax or the company selling these uh products it it impacts your excise duties it impacts customs duties it impacts that. You know, um, so it 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 probably did make a sizable damage to to the pockets of SARS, but um, you know, these are two very like this is a major player in in our economy, and I think the impact really was felt. And you know, ever since the the lifting of the ban, you you the economy is sort of recovering. You know, I mean, and banning alcohol, for instance, you you're banning one of a big revenue stream for restaurants. You're banning a big revenue stream for bars in in, in general, you know? So I think, and you know, this restaurant now, that means the income tax that we are going to collect from this restaurant is much lower. The VAT that we're collecting is much lower. So I don't think it was exaggerated. I, I wouldn't say it was really exaggerated, but when you look at it holistically, you realize just what a big impact the banning of these products really had on our economy. And like we said earlier, you can't help but wonder how we're going to recover these things. Because, I mean, the loss of tax for five months, is that is collected on a monthly basis. And you're thinking, if we didn't collect this much money for a period of five months, how are we actually going to make it up? And I think... You know, consumers as well, we're coming to the party, we're going out to these bars now, we're going to restaurants. So, I don't know. I think there's it is increasing, the collection is increasing, and it, it should start picking up and going back
0: to normal soon. So, yeah. Now, Itumilang, in your expert opinion, and I don't mean to put you on the spot in any way, but could you take us through, in your observations, what are the key drivers to the success of tax reform in a developing country like South Africa?
1: Um, You know, again, tax reform isn't exactly the easiest thing to implement for any country, you know, um, let alone a developing country, mostly because of the political and the socioeconomic challenges that a country um, is faced with. But I've always been a firm believer in that a country or a nation that inspires confidence in its people is a country that can convince people to comply and declare taxes voluntarily so um, and I, I by confidence i just generally mean confidence in the sense that where you collect revenue for me you know as a citizen and someone who's paying uh, a, a large portion of my salary especially if i'm an individual you know you individuals pay up to like 45 percent of the income to the revenue authorities I think I need to see the corresponding increase in government expenditure, especially in like the social needs such as education and healthcare. So I think, you know, tax reform is, is, is we could sit here all day and talk about tax reform, but I think for me, the biggest driver is just that, you know, pushing the voluntary compliance by showing and um, showing your citizens that, you know, what we collect we give back to the community so it doesn't feel like wasteful expenditure on my part you know it doesn't feel like so much a burden but also just giving back to the communities that we come from and this can only be done by the government and i think corruption you know corruption and greed sort of just dampen that for us but i think um in terms where tax reform is, is concerned we we really like south africa as a as a as a whole or as a nation, we really have a long way to go. And and just inspiring this confidence in our citizens, you know, it can go a long way. It really, really
0: can go a long way. Now, towards the end of March, SARS reported a revenue shortfall of more than 66 billion rand. Furthermore, the government is projecting tax increases of 5 billion rand for the next financial year. What would a worsening revenue shortfall mean for South Africa and its citizens?
1: I think Aime, the biggest impact right now would be on, you know, your individual taxpayers. Um, I think we've we've already sort of been feeling the pinch because of the recession. But um, yeah, I think that would be like a horrible blow to, you know, individual taxpayers because I mean, 5 billion is a massive amount. To try and 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 make to try and make up. So, like I said initially, I think we might be seeing you know the introduction of new uh, taxes. Um, you know, the revenue authorities have to be really creative, but also being mindful of you know who, where it is that they are sourcing these funds from, uh, because you know individual taxpayers are actually the biggest contributor to to SaaS revenue, and we're already taking so much. I'm not sure. We they can or if they will be able to take any more than they are right now. Um, and like I said before, I think we all just need to brace ourselves um, because the revenue authorities need to be creative in in collecting these revenues without jeopardizing, you know, the investment in in South Africa and without completely wiping out the working class because of excessive tax hikes um you know 5 billion is 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 really 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 a lot and we need to collect uh we need to collect because our government does need revenue um we do need the funds you know um and as much as you know there's there's always like a negative outlook on how these funds um are expanded i think you know you know for social grants and where where they are used uh, positively we we still need those funds it's just where to source them who to tax higher like are we taxing companies higher can we even afford an increase in the vat rate again i you know we all we we really all don't know but i i do think that you know south africans are really going to feel a, a bit of a pinch um and like i said we we just need to brace ourselves
0: embrace ourselves indeed. Now, we've spent the majority of our discussion talking about the working class, making direct reference to those in the workforce. What are those on the fringes of the working class? I'm referring in particular to students and interns. Are there any tax breaks that they can take advantage of? And is there anything important for them to note with how they navigate the issue of paying tax, being that they're on the fringes of the work environment?
1: Um, I think, you know, game, if I could, I'd literally just go back to being a student just because I don't have like, you don't have to pay for taxes. I think the benefits that tax benefits are essentially given to people who are liable for tax, you know, so if you, you are a student, um, you, you don't have like, you're not running any type of business. You're not running an enterprise in any way. You're just a student. You, you're sort of safe from the hands or the claws of the tax man. Um, So there are, you know, there's no break that is provided to someone who is not, who does not have an obligation um, to to file a tax return or to pay, um, you know, um, taxes. So for interns, um, I think the benefit is that, you know, interns, generally do not get paid a really, really high salary. You know, you're just starting out in your career, you're learning the ropes and you're building, you know, rapport for yourself. Your salary isn't exactly that much. So I remember when I was a trainee, I I literally almost pay that amount in taxes now. So for those guys, it's 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 the benefit for them is that you know they're below the tax bracket and they they don't have to pay taxes, you know. So and if you are paying taxes, um, it's for pay as you earn, for instance, your company will will probably be paying pay as you earn for you. Um, some people, I remember in my first year of work, I got a I got a refund from SARS because I had paid more taxes than I had to because I was below the tax threshold. So for students, unfortunately, and fortunately, you know, unfortunately there's no break for you because you, you're not liable for tax because you do not fall within the tax bracket. So if you don't have an income, you're not earning an income that is above the tax threshold, then you are, you're okay, you're safe.
0: And as a, as a final token of clarity, for those listening right now who might still be a little bit wet behind the ears as it pertains to uh, matters of taxing and as we um, as we continue to venture forth um, towards recovering from the perils of this pandemic and everything that it's placed all the pressure that it's heaped on our country's economy, for those who are still unclear on 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 What happens when their taxes are either exempted, credited, or deducted? Can we break down the difference between these three an exemption, credit, and deduction as it pertains to tax?
1: Okay, so um, an exemption is totally, it's almost as if removing something from. Tax as a whole. So, what happens with an exemption is that we'll say there's a concept called gross income in tax. So, gross would be the total of something before you deduct anything from it. So, gross income would have you say, okay, this is my total income, this is all that I get. And then there would be transactions or certain types of incomes that are exempt from tax. So, SARS says we will not tax this. Particular type of income. So, for companies, for instance, dividends. So, if a, a local South African company earns dividends, SARS will say, "Okay, no, we do not tax the the dividends." So, something that is completely taken out of the tax framework. So, we we say, "Okay, we we acknowledge that it it is income, but we do not tax this type of income or transaction." So, it is tax free right? So a tax credit is um, sort of a benefit that is given to reduce your your tax. So what happens is you, you'll get your income. Maybe you'll have a couple of expenses. You'll be allowed to calculate how much you owe, maybe whatever tax bracket you fall under. And then SARS will say from that tax that you are liable for, we'll give you a tax credit. For instance, like your medical tax credit is used to reduce your tax liability. So you calculate your amount of tax and then you say, okay, my medical tax credit is this much so I can reduce what I owe to SARS by that medical tax credit. So a tax credit reduces your tax liability. And then a tax deduction would um, be used to reduce your taxable income. So taxable income would be as I described gross income, your total income, less any income, less any expenses that you are allowed to deduct um, for tax purposes. The net of those two would give you your taxable income. So a deduction would essentially be those expenses. So anything that is used to reduce your income um, and it is allowed by SARS is a deduction. So it reduces the amount on which your tax is calculated. Your tax liability is calculated. I don't know if that provides a bit more clarity.
0: Well, it certainly works for me and it segues very neatly into my final question for you at this time. We have seen our Commander-in-Chief, the President Cyril Ramaphosa, looking into the state of technology in South Africa and possible tax changes to better help the country prepare for the coming fourth industrial revolution. Do you think the government should also look into developing tax policies that can better account for operations of digital and virtual companies? What will this say on our country's readiness to fully embrace the, the digital way of, of living life, conducting business and conducting life as we know it, um, partly shaped by the lasting impact of the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: Yeah, Yo, you know, game, I think like I said before, the one benefit of, you know, the pandemic was showing us that we we are a digitally ready country. You know, we we can, you know, we are technologically savvy. We we can come up with new ways of working where we literally do not need an office or we don't need an, we don't need an office space. So if I need to do work, I literally have to have a computer and I think SARS, SARS is coming to the party, you know, um, with the introduction now of taxation on electronic services, uh, for VAT purposes, you know, um, I think SARS really, really is coming to the party. Our government is, is transforming. And I think you realize with the fourth, um, industrial industrial revolution that we, the world is changing, you know, the world is rapidly, rapidly changing. And I think, you know, our you know, our revenue authorities and treasury and all all these policymakers are sort of coming to the party in that regard. You know, and I think in a in a few years, even like you know, we 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 should be seeing um, policies that are specifically designed to deal with the digital economy and to accommodate um, the surge in technology so i think you know we're well on our way there um we have we have the skills we have the talent in south africa we just need to to literally tap into it and i think our policymakers re- really 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 are doing that and i think you know in the face of COVID 19 we have proven to be ready you know we are ready i don't think we can we can all sit around the fire and say no we're still Living in the dinosaur ages, I think South Africa is well on its way. And, you know, our policymakers are also, they're realizing this and they're coming up with, you know, um, transformed ways um, of of collecting taxes and and adapting to the digital economy and the digital world. So I definitely think that um, they are preparing for it and we should be seeing a lot of change um, in that regard. And it won't be a shock because we're all like everything else in our world is sort of changing in that direction. So I think, you know, um, the revenue authorities and our government really, really, really are making strides in, in that regard.
0: That concludes our show-spanning, insightful conversation here on The COVID Report. We have just been joined by Ms. Itumeleng Mokine, a tax specialist from Liberty Group South Africa, talking us through the ways in which paying tax during the heights of this pandemic might not nearly be the daunting experience everyone imagines it to be. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By, by to hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1, 88.1. or streams via Stream. www.vafm.co.za.